Chapter Twenty Five of Camille. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Shin. Camille by Alexandra Dumas. Fille. Translated by Edmund Goss. Chapter Twenty Five. Armand, tired by this long narrative, often interrupted by his tears, put his two hands over his forehead and closed his eyes to think, or to try to sleep, after giving me the pages written by the hand of Marguerite. A few minutes after, a more rapid breathing told me that Armand slept, but that light sleep which the least sound banishes. This is what I read. I copy it without adding or omitting a syllable. Today is the 15th December. I have been ill three or four days this morning i stayed in bed the weather is dark and i am sad there is no one by me i think of you armand and you where are you while i write these lines far from paris far far they tell me and perhaps you have already forgotten marguerite well be happy i owe you the only happy moments in my life i cannot help wanting to explain all my conduct to you and i have written you a letter but written by a girl like me such a letter might seem to be a lie unless death had sanctified it by its authority and instead of a letter it were a confession to-day i am ill i may die of this illness for i have always had the presentiment that i shall die young my mother died of consumption and the way i have always lived could but increase the only heritage she ever left me but i do not want to die without clearing up for you everything about me that is if when you come back you will still trouble yourself about the poor girl whom you loved before you went away this is what the letter contained i shall like writing it over again so as to give myself another proof of my own justification you remember armand how the arrival of your father surprised us at bougival you remember the involuntary fright that his arrival caused me and the scene which took place between you and him which you told me of in the evening next day when you were at paris waiting for your father and he did not return a man came to the door and handed in a letter from monsieur duval his letter which i enclosed with this begged me in the most serious terms to keep you away on the following day on some excuse or other and to see your father who wished to speak to me and asked me particularly not to say anything to you about it you know how i insisted on you returning to paris next day you had only been gone an hour when your father presented himself i won't say what impression his severe face made upon me your father had the old theory that a courtesan is being without heart or reason a sort of machine for coining gold always ready like the machine to bruise the hand that gives her everything and to tear in pieces without pity or discernment those who set her in motion your father had written me a very polite letter in order that i might consent to see him he did not present himself quite as he had written his manner at first was so stiff insolent and even threatening that i had to make him understand that i was in my own house and that i had no need to render him an account of my life except because of the sincere affection which i had for his son Monsieur duval calmed down a little but still went on to say that he could not any longer allow his son to ruin himself over me that i was beautiful it was true but however beautiful i might be i ought not to make use of my beauty to spoil the future of a young man by such expenditure as i was causing at that there was only one thing to do to show him the proof that since i was your mistress i had spared no sacrifice to be faithful to you without asking for more money than you had to give me i showed him the pawn tickets the receipts of the people to whom i had sold what i could not pawn and i told him of my resolve to part with my furniture in order to pay my debts and live with you without being a too heavy expense 
I told him of our happiness, of how you had shown me the possibility of a quieter and happier life, and he ended by giving in to the evidence, offering me his hand, and asking pardon for the way in which he had at first approached me. Then he said to me, So, madame, it is not by remonstrances, or by threats, but by entreaties that I must endeavor to obtain from you a greater sacrifice than you have yet made for my son. I trembled at this beginning. Your father came over to me, took both my hands, and continued in an affectionate voice. My child, do not take what I have to say to you amiss. Only remember that there are sometimes in life cruel necessities for the heart, but that they must be submitted to. You are good. Your soul has generosity unknown to many women who perhaps despise you and are less worthy than you. But remember that there is not only the mistress, but the family, that besides love there are duties, that to the age of passion succeeds the age when man if he is to be respected must plant himself solidly in a serious position my son has no fortune and yet he is ready to abandon to you the legacy of his mother if he accepted from you the sacrifice which you are on the point of making his honour and dignity would require him to give you in exchange for it this income which would always put you out of the danger of adversity but he cannot accept this sacrifice because the world which does not know you would give a wrong interpretation to this acceptance and such an interpretation must not tarnish the name which we bear no one would consider whether armand loves you whether you love him whether this mutual love means happiness to him and redemption to you they would see only one thing that armand duval allowed a kept woman forgive me my child for what i am forced to say to you to sell all she had for him then the day of reproaches and regrets would arrive be sure for you or for others and you would both bear a chain that you could never sever what would you do then your youth would be lost my son's future destroyed and i his father should receive from only one of my children the recompense that i look for from both you are young beautiful life will console you you are noble and the memory of a good deed will redeem you from many past deeds during the six months that he has known you armand has forgotten me i wrote to him four times and he has never once replied i might have died and he not known it whatever may be your resolution of living otherwise than as you have lived armand who loves you will never consent to the seclusion to which his modest fortune would condemn you and to which your beauty does not entitle you who knows what he would do then he has gambled i know without telling you of it i know also but in a moment of madness he might have lost part of what i have saved during many years for my daughter's portion for him and for the repose of my old age what might have happened may yet happen are you sure besides that the life which you are giving up for him will never again come to attract you are you sure you who have loved him that you will never love another would you not suffer on seeing the hindrances set by your love to your lover's life hindrances for which you would be powerless to console him if with age thoughts of ambition should succeed to dreams of love think over all that madame you love armand prove it to him by the sole means which remains to you of yet proving it to him by sacrificing your love to his future no misfortune has yet arrived but one will arrive and perhaps a greater one than those which i foresee armand might become jealous of a man who has loved you he might provoke him fight and be killed think then what you would suffer in the presence of a father who should call on you to render an account for the life of his son finally my dear child let me tell you all for i have not yet told you all let me tell you what has brought me to paris i have a daughter as i have told you young beautiful and pure as an angel she loves and she too has made this love the dream of her life i wrote all that to armand but absorbed in you he made no reply 
Well, my daughter is about to marry, and she is to marry the man whom she loves. She enters an honorable family, which requires that mine has to be no less honorable. The family of the man who is to become my son-in-law has learned what manner of life Armand is leading in Paris, and has declared to me that the marriage must be broken off if Armand continues this life. The future of a child who has done nothing against you, and who has the right of looking forward to a happy future, is in your hands. Have you the right, and have you the strength, to shatter it? In the name of your love and of your repentance, Marguerite, grant me the happiness of my child. I wept silently, my friend, at all these reflections which I had so often made, and which in the mouth of your father took a yet more serious reality. I said to myself all that your father dared not to say to me, though it had come to his lips twenty times, that I was, after all, only a kept woman, and that whatever excuse I gave for our liaison, it would always look like calculation on my part that my past life left me no right to dream of such a future, and that I was accepting responsibilities for which my habits and reputation were far from giving any guarantee. In short, I loved you, Armand. The paternal way in which Monsieur Duval had spoken to me, the pure memories that he had awakened in me, the respect of this old man which I would gain, yours which I was sure of gaining later on, all that called up in my heart thoughts which raised me in my own eyes with a sort of holy pride unknown till then. When I thought that one day this old man, who was now imploring me for the future of his son, would bid his daughter mingle my name with her prayers as the name of a mysterious friend, I seemed to become transformed, and I felt a pride in myself. The exaltation of the moment perhaps exaggerated the truth of these impressions, but that was what I felt, friend, and these new feelings silenced the memory of the happy days I had spent with you. "'Tell me, sir,' I said to your father, wiping away my tears, "'do you believe that I love your son?' yes said monsieur duval with a disinterested love yes do you believe that i had made this love the hope the dream the forgiveness of my life implicitly well sir embrace me once as you would embrace your daughter and i swear to you that that kiss the only chaste kiss i have ever had will make me strong against my love and that within a week your son will be once more at your side perhaps unhappy for a time but cured forever you are a noble child replied your father kissing me on the forehead and you are making an attempt for which god will reward you but i greatly fear that you will have no influence upon my son oh be at rest sir he will hate me i had to set up between us as much for me as for you an insurmountable barrier i wrote to prudence to say that i accepted the proposition of the comte de n and that she was to tell him that i would sup with her and him I sealed the letter, and, without telling him what it contained, asked your father to have it forwarded to its address on reaching Paris. He inquired of me what it contained. "'Your son's welfare,' I answered. Your father embraced me once more. I felt two grateful tears on my forehead, like the baptism of my past faults, and at that moment when I consented to give myself up to another man I glowed with pride at the thought of what I was redeeming by this new fault. It was quite natural, Armand. You told me that your father was the most honest man in the world.' Monsieur Duval returned to his carriage and set out for Paris. I was only a woman, and when I saw you again I could not help weeping, but I did not give away. Did I do right? That is what I ask myself today, as I lie ill in my bed, and that I shall never leave perhaps until I am dead. You are witness of what I felt as the hour of our separation approached. Your father was no longer there to support me, and there was a moment when I was on the point of confessing everything to you. So terrified was I at the idea that you were going to bait and despise me. 
one thing which you will not believe perhaps armand is that i prayed to god to give me strength and what proves that he accepted my sacrifice is that he gave me the strength for which i prayed at supper i still had need of aid for i could not think of what i was going to do so much did i fear that my courage would fail me who would ever have said that i marguerite gautier would have suffered so at the mere thought of a new lover i drank for forgetfulness and when i woke next day i was beside the count that is the whole truth friend judge me and pardon me as i have pardoned you for all the wrong that you have done me since that day end of chapter twenty five recording by linda shin plano texas